You're listening to the Branded Cowgirl Podcast, episode number 21. What is up, you guys? And welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is going to be really good because we are going to be talking about all the things, the, well, (laughs) all the things. That would be, there'd be a lot. This would be a lot longer episode than this actually is. But we are going to be talking about my top things that I would do if I could start over in my business today. If I was starting from scratch, ground zero, absolutely had nothing to show for anything. These are the things that I would do. These also could be considered mistakes that I made in my business. I was trying to decide what episode name I wanted to go with. I probably could do another episode on that, but I think these things kind of overlap. So we're going to say based on my learned experiences and I... I don't even know. These are the things that I would do differently and how I would start from ground zero. So I hope you guys find this helpful. And these are things that you can do and start to change in your business, pivot in your business, even if you are not starting from ground zero, if you've been doing this for five minutes, if you've been doing this for 10 years, uh, these are all going to be good. You can still do them. It's never too late to kind of start fresh. Um, So without further ado, oh, also it's my birthday week this week, you guys. What's up? Hey, I am going to be 25 years old and that makes me (laughs) kind of want to cry. Uh, If you're listening to this later and it's not in real time, then this is irrelevant, but I just feel like for all my peeps that are listening to this as it as it goes live, um, yeah, I uh, I turned twenty five this week uh, on the twenty fifth of March. Uh, it is twenty twenty one. In case you're listening to this like years later, so hopefully not like five years later when I'm thirty because that will really make me want to cry. Um, anyway, so. Wow, I just feel really old and this tangent is going on for a very long time. Anyway, we're just going to stop talking now and get on into the show. So sit back, relax, grab a notebook and get ready to learn how I would start over in my business. Let's go. Hey, I wanted to interrupt the show for just a second to give you a little pop quiz, but don't worry, it's just one question. All right, how many of your followers are actually seeing your posts? I'll wait. Okay, ready for the answer? Only about 6% of your followers are actually seeing the content that you are working so hard to create. Instagram is such a fun platform to share our brand, but it shouldn't be the only place that we are showing up for our people. Now, I'm going to say something truly wild. Have you ever considered getting an email list? Now, before you scream and kick your feet at me, listen to this. Email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media because you can pop right into your people's inboxes, get your message across without having to hope and pray that the algorithm won't do you dirty. And for the very best part, these emails don't even have to be boring or ugly. Well, at least as long as you are using my absolute favorite email marketing platform, Flowdesk. Flowdesk is changing the freaking game for email marketing. And not only do they make the tech super easy to understand, but it also keeps you on brand so you can show up for your people in cute emails that feel just like you. 
You don't even have to have a website to start an email list, which is thebomb.com, because Flowdesk has standalone web pages for people to join your list. It's easy to use, and it's pretty. What more could we possibly ask for, right? You can lock yourself in for 50% off Flowdesk for life. Yeah, that's right. I said for life. Enjoy unrestricted features for just $19 per month forever. Plus, there's a free trial too. If you're ready to get hooked on Flowdesk, then head to sarahelrod.com slash Flowdesk to claim your discount. That's sarahelrod.com slash F-L-O-D-E-S-K to start sending happy mail today. All right, so the first thing that I would do if I was to start over in my business today would be to start showing my face on social media a heck of a lot more. I'm talking like every single day, multiple times a day, like, yes, a lot. Show your face a lot. Now, there are things that there are a lot of misconceptions about this idea. I feel like especially when you first begin, um, like when I started my photography Instagram page, I think I was in high school. I, well, I know I was in high school um, and I had my personal account and then I had my photography account, which is pretty normal. I feel like most people kind of start off that way. Um, I honestly wish I would have just promoted my photography business on my personal account from the beginning. And let me tell you why. When I decided to create a new Instagram for my photography, I, one, just thought that that's what you're supposed to do. Like, personal life, business, those are completely different things. I didn't really understand the idea of, like, branding and, like, being a personal brand and there wasn't a lot of education on it at that point like it's not like it is now where you hear everybody talking about that and everyone and their mother seems to be having some kind of personal brand no matter what they do um but that just wasn't something that really was talked about a lot back then um or at least nobody that I followed or listened to was talking about things like that and so I created this second account, but which was fine, but I wish that I would have stuck to my personal one because I had already grown like several thousand followers on that account and it was, you know, super popular. I was really active on that account and then I created this photography one and pretty much the only time I would post on it is if I did a session or had like a photographer, like a photo shoot to post or, you know, a picture to post that was of clients or client work. Um, and I, that was, that'd be all I post. And if I didn't have anything like that, then I just wouldn't post at all. And I hardly ever talked on my stories. That just like wasn't a thing that I did on my business account. Um, I just kept it very strictly. Uh, actually, I don't even, there wasn't even stories at that point. So now that I'm thinking about it, but even still, posting a picture of myself on my photography account was very, very rare. Um, but I wish I would have learned, even though, like, there's a lot of things that have changed. Like I said, stories got added, reels are here now, IGTV, I mean, there's so many things that are accessible now from Instagram that weren't there when I first started. I still wish I would have learned the power of, like, posting a photo of myself on my feed, um, because nothing separated myself from anyone else, any other photographer out there, like, Yes, your work is always going to look maybe slightly different and, you know, you you have, you know, small differences from business to business, but overall, there's a good chance that somewhere in the world, there's another photographer that edits 
almost identical to how you edit. They shoot in the same type of style. Like their work and your work could probably get mixed together and like no one would really be able to tell the difference. And that's just that's just nature. That's not saying that they're purposely out there copying you or anything like that. But there's, you know, trends come and go. Everyone kind of dresses the same. People talk the same. Like, it's the same thing with photography. There's certain styles and certain ways of editing that are very popular, um, you know, and it kind of comes and goes and everyone kind of changes with it. So um, I you know, there was a lot of photographers out there that, you know, we edited really similar and nothing made me stand out. Nothing about my page was different from any of these other photographers. Um, and when you share your face, when you go on and you, you put your face out there and you show like, this is who is behind the camera, you are starting to build a relationship with people because people can't just connect with your work. Like, yes, you might get people to hire you like, oh, you take really pretty pictures. I want to hire you. And that's fine. And that will totally happen. But as soon as you can start to build like a brand for yourself and you can start to talk about who you are as a person beyond just being a photographer, that is when you're going to build relationships with your clients and relationships are key in business. When you can start to have people learn about who you are, the things that you love, what makes you, you, your values, all kinds of things. Like people are going to hire, hire you for those things. Um, and it just makes you more relatable. People tend to spend money when they feel like they, like in a sense of familiarity. Like if you feel familiar to them, if you feel like they know you already, it's going to make them feel a lot more comfortable, especially in an industry like photography, because you are, you know, putting people in front of a camera and that's not always like the most comfortable thing for a lot of people. So if they feel like they've already kind of built this like connection with you over social media, then they're going to feel a million times more comfortable when they get in front of your, your camera. And the beauty of showing your face on social media, whether that be on your stories or in your feed, is that it's giving you more content to post. A lot of the biggest hangups that I see, especially with the people that I like coach and mentor, is that they're like, oh, I just, I'm just, you know, starting out. I don't have a ton of clients. I don't have a ton of photo shoots that I'm doing. So I don't have anything I can post. Well, I'm like, homegirl, you have a nice camera. Heck, you have an iPhone. Like I said, this applies to whether you're a photographer or not. If you have a phone, you don't have to have a fancy camera to, um, take good quality content like sure that's great that it's awesome to have a nice camera but your phone takes a pretty dang good photo especially you know i'm not saying you have to hang these photos up in your house but like your phone takes a good photo for just instagram um and i mean there's huge influencers that all they use is their phones so i mean try to find these people to get inspired if you need to but all that to say you know, when you don't feel like you have any content to post, like, oh, I, ha I don't have any new work. It's all the same stuff over and over and over again. Uh, get creative with yourself, like set up a tripod, put your phone somewhere and take some cool photos of yourself wearing different outfits and doing different types of things. That way you can kind of build this like portfolio of just your own photos and it's going to help people, again, see you, understand who you are, what you look like. And then in your captions, talk about yourself. It is not narcissistic. It is so strategic to actually be talking about yourself. And I get probably the best compliment that I get these days is when somebody meets me and they say, oh my gosh, I feel like I already know you because I've been following your Instagram for a few years. Or they meet me and they're like, I just, you're the same as you are, you know, offline that you are online 
online, your personality is just so consistent. That is like literally my top goal. That one, it just makes me feel really good because that's that's just my whole entire goal with any business. Rather that is a photography client, rather that's somebody that I am coaching with their own business. If they meet me or talk to me and they say like, yep, you are exactly how I expected you to be, that is what I want because that's being authentic and that says to me that I'm doing something right. So if you're like, okay, I get it, I I understand I'm supposed to show up, I need to show my face, but I am just so nervous, I don't like being in front of the camera, I don't want to take pictures of myself, I feel so awkward, I just want to hide behind my work, all the things, I've heard every excuse in the book and I get it, I've been there. Um, I just want to give you a few tips for how to get comfortable being in front of a camera, whether that's a professional camera, your phone, whatever that might be. Um, So my first tip is to talk to your phone like you are talking to your best friend. And this is just for like if you're filming a reel or if you are talking on your stories or something like that. Talk. I know it feels weird to like just talk to a phone and, you know, we all feel just super insecure instantly. But when you talk as if you're just FaceTiming a friend, you kind of just get lost in your own thoughts when you're talking. That's when you're going to come off the most authentic. When you try to like position yourself all perfect and make everything look super, you know, structured and great, that doesn't feel as real and people are going to notice. I can always tell when someone feels really uncomfortable being on video because they're rather they say it or not, their body language shows it so try to just relax talk to your phone and stop caring so much about what other people think that's another big tip is you know at the end of the day like people really aren't paying as much attention to you as you think they are. We all kind of tend to center everything around ourselves, which is true for you. It's true for everyone else. So like when you're posting something, we all think everyone is looking at us. We're like, oh, everyone's watching us. Everyone's going to think this is so weird. When in reality, the people that are actually watching it are really just thinking about themselves. Um, They might have their attention on what you're saying for like a few seconds, but then they're off to do something else that involves themselves. And that's just how it is being a human being so stop putting so much pressure on yourself stop thinking that everyone is just judging you and like that everyone truly cares like what you sound like or look like on social media because I promise you it's probably not as much as you think it is Um, my other tip would be to post and ignore it like if you feel uncomfortable posting that thing I mean unless you're like extremely uncomfortable and you're like sweating and freaking out and crying that's a whole different thing but I hope you wouldn't be to that point but if you're just like oh I feel so awkward this is so cringy like I don't like it just post to your story and don't go back and watch it I think the biggest thing is we talk ourselves out of posting something when we just like we post it and then we go back and we watch and we're like oh my gosh it's not getting 500 likes immediately like everyone hates it I'm so ugly like whatever you know just Don't do that, Susan, Karen, whatever, like stop, just post it, ignore it, don't go back to it. The nice thing, if it's on your story, it disappears in 24 hours. So, you know, stop worrying about it so much. And it goes in chronological order. So if you post something to your story, then yours might pop up in front of everyone else's for like a second. But as soon as somebody else they follow posts a story, theirs is going to jump in in front of you. So, you know, just relax. It's it's going to be okay. Let's just post it and forget about it and not criticize ourselves so much over it. 
And then the last tip for this is to stop thinking to yourself, stop telling yourself, oh, you know, I will talk on my stories, I'll post a picture of myself on my feed or whatever um, when I have blank amount of followers. This is honestly a really not good mindset to have because if you're not confident to post on your story when you have 100 followers, what makes you think you're going to be confident to post on your story when you have a thousand followers, 10,000 followers, whatever that looks like. I can just tell you right now, you won't. It's not going to make it any easier having more eyes on you. It's going to actually probably make it harder. So when you have a hundred followers, and again, like we all, it's, it's so interesting to me, like the mindset around social media and followers and numbers. And it's interesting because I think it too, like I've been here, I've had all these same thoughts and all these same, um, problems that you're probably experiencing as well but it's just funny like how we look at a hundred followers as such a small number and it's so like insignificant and we just think like oh that's nothing when in reality like if there was a hundred people in your house right now I bet you you would not think that that was a small number um you know even 30 people that's like a whole classroom and like I get anxiety talking in front of that many people I can't imagine talking in front of a million people a hundred people people, a thousand people, you know, all these crazy numbers, like that's just so many people. And so we need to stop this mindset of like, it's just a hundred followers, like no one cares what I have to say. Or the mindset of like, oh, the only followers I have are like my friends and my family and blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, why does that matter? First of all, your friends and family, if they're really your friends, like, and your family, obviously, they're not going to make fun of you for talking on your story and just sharing about your day. They'll probably enjoy it. Like they want to see what you're doing with your day to like keep up with what what you're doing. Um, so if that's what, you, you know, you go on your stories just to say, hey, this is my plan for the day. This is what I'm doing. Cool. Um, they're not going to be like, who cares? You know, if they're truly your friends, they're going to say, awesome. Like, that's so great. Have fun, you know, whatever. But also like the more you're doing this and like showing like, okay, this is a business. Like I'm actually coming out here talking about what I do, showing up. The more your friends are going to start to respect what you actually do, because as self-employed people, I think we can all say like we feel we kind of belittle what we do and we think our friends are going to belittle what we do. And they will. They will not take you seriously if you don't take yourself seriously. If you don't show up and start proving like, hey, this is a business. This is my job. This is my career in the same way that you're a doctor, a nurse, a firefighter, whatever your friends do, you know, a waitress at a restaurant like I don't care if they take their job seriously and like if they would get mad if you laughed at them like oh haha cute job like you know they're there's they're gonna do the same thing I don't know I've just started like brain farting um but you know if if you're expected to take what they do seriously like they need to take what you do seriously but they're only gonna do that if you start taking it seriously as well you can't just say oh yeah like oh I'm just a graphic designer on the side but like it's not really a business like I don't know why we do that and to be totally honest I feel like I see that a lot more with women than I do men we kind of belittle ourselves like oh yeah like I just do photography sometimes or oh I just I have like a little boutique thing but like I don't know it's whatever you just I feel like you don't really see men do that like 
men are just they seem a lot more black and white about things um at least from like experiences that I've had and again I'm speaking from my own personal experience too like I have done this I and I notice I do it a lot with family like I would always talk down about what I did almost out of like embarrassment and I don't know why because when I get on social media and like when I'm actually in work I know what I'm doing like I am so confident I'm making money like I don't know there's nothing to be embarrassed about so don't let that happen to you try it's and it's harder you know it's easier said than done type of thing. I get that. But really, we need to just be confident in what we're doing. We need to take ourselves seriously, take this job seriously, and show up, show your face, show that you are different from everyone else in this industry. Because pretty much every industry at this point is going to become a saturated industry. Any creative industry, there are people, there are hundreds of people that do the same thing that you do. So that doesn't mean you can't do it or you shouldn't do it. It just means that you need to show that you are different. And the biggest thing that makes you different from everyone else is who you are and what, you know, you as a person. So showing up, show your face, all that good stuff. Okay, the second thing that I would do differently if I were to start over in my business would be to nail down my niche, niche, whatever I feel like every time I say that word I have to like say it both ways because I just know people that say it both ways and I don't know which way is the actual way I should probably just ask Siri maybe she'll tell me anyway um nail down your niche and your ideal client so first of all stop trying to do everything and to serve everyone this was a huge mistake that I wish I wish I could go back you know three to five years ago to tell me to just knock it off um so I obviously started out as a photographer even as a horse trainer honestly um when I was doing that like full-time I would kind of just take on any type of horses any type of people and well I feel like horses were maybe a little different in the sense of like I don't know like they weren't as extreme different as photography was but I definitely specialized in a certain type of horse that I like to work with and that I felt like I could work with the best and provide the best experience and the best type of people to work with that owned these horses but I never set a standard for myself and like as a horse trainer you know you can niche down if you want to just train barrel horses if you want to just train colts and start colts if you want to train breakaway horses or rodeos or you know just family friendly horses or fix problems which was kind of my thing I worked with like more hypersensitive horses and I worked a lot with just people that had problem horses or somewhat aggressive horses like there was definitely like a specialty that I worked with um but and I could have broken that down a lot more and with photography it was like I would take on everything like any type of person I would do family shoots couple shoots weddings babies newborns maternity like seniors I mean everything under the freaking sun and while I do think that there it's good to kind of you know do that in the beginning just so you can see what you like and don't like once you figure that out like after a while I realized okay I don't like photographing families that much like I will still do it even to this day but I don't advertise it it's not something I tell people that I do I don't say I am a photographer I say I am a western wedding photographer and that is my 
um, like niche market. And my ideal client would be Western couples, Western weddings, anything that's kind of ranchy, country style things. That doesn't mean I never take on anything else ever, but I get a lot less inquiries for all that other stuff and a lot more inquiries for the types of people that I want to work with. So stop, don't try to do everything for everyone because what that's going to do is make you look like an expert at nothing and an amateur at a lot of things. Um, When you focus in on like niching down, I know it can feel like you're limiting your business. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be, you know, not, people aren't going to keep coming to me. Um, You know, I, I can't limit myself. But the truth is, it's actually going to increase the people that you actually want to work with more. Because I can't tell you how many times, like, I would take on so many family shoots because I would just keep posting about them because that was, that seemed to be all I was getting for a while. And so I would just post them and then I'd get more and then I'd get more. But I just didn't enjoy it that much. And so, and not, to say like I hate families or anything I love families I love kids but I just don't feel like I can provide them with as good of a service as I can couples I just personally know that about myself I can't work with them in the same way and you know you just have to come out and show yourself as an expert in something and if that is families then heck yeah go for it like I hope there are more family photographers out there like send me a message and I will refer anyone that reaches out to me to you because I just I fully it's it's just one of those things where like I said I can take them on sometimes but I if I had to do that full time like there's just no way um so and and a good example of this would be to think of companies like Apple. Apple really only sells like maybe six products. I mean, you know, obviously that's kind of an exaggeration. But in general, I mean, Apple doesn't have like everything under the sun. It's not like a store like Target that has 500,000 brands, you know, that they sell in their store and all these different types of things. Apple pretty much just sells like a few key items and that is it. But they are so clear on their branding and who their ideal market is and they make a ton of money. I mean, people are constantly buying Apple products even though they sell just a few things. Branding is what makes you buy a $2,000 Apple computer versus like a $400 computer from somewhere else. They might do the exact same things, but Apple has built a beautiful brand for itself. Like, love it or hate it, people are going to keep buying Apple products. You know, they can they could come out with a new phone every week, and I guarantee somebody is going to go buy it. A bunch of people are going to go buy it. Um, the same thing goes for, like, Tiffany's, the jewelry place. Tiffany's, right? Um I mean, they they are obviously a jeweler. They sell really nice things. And Tiffany's has branded themselves as a very high-end jeweler. Um, you can get the same diamond, same quality uh, from Tiffany's as somewhere else. But Tiffany's is going to have a way higher price tag on it. Um, shoot, there is a paperclip. I kid you not. This is not a joke. Tiffany sells a paperclip. You can find it on their website that retail retails for $1,500. Yes, $1,500. And if you don't believe me, you can head to the show notes for this episode and I'm going to link this paperclip. But I, I'm not even kidding. But again, that... 
that type of company who has built this brand for themselves, I mean, every girl ever just is like, oh, I just can't wait to have a, a little blue box one day or whatever from Tiffany's. And they can do that. They have branded themselves so well that everybody wants that. And that's like an experience. And rather they are paying thousands of dollars more for the same thing. It's the idea of the fact that, oh, you got that ring from Tiffany's. Like, that's a big deal. So, you know, you have to be able to break it down and really speak to one type of person, one type of market. Um, and another thing is to, once you establish this, once you figure out like who your ideal client is and who that market is, only create content that is geared towards those types of people. Because when you do that, that is how you're going to attract them and find them and kind of weed out who you don't want to work with. When you are like, okay, my ideal client, like I would love to work with Western couples, but I'm going to continue to talk to just everybody very generally. I'm not going to specifically create content that resonates with Western couples. That's going to be your biggest mistake. So I wish I would have broken this down in the beginning and really focused on just creating content that resonates with Western couples. And think about things like whoever your ideal market is. Maybe they're, you know, if you sell hiking backpacks, if that's your business and you, you know, your ideal client is going to be like these very nature-driven people, maybe healthy people. They like to hike all the time. They love being outdoors. You know, you're not talking to the people that shop at, you know, these high-end, super fancy stores. You're talking to people that shop at like Patagonia, right? And um, so those are types of things too, is like you can make content, even if it has nothing to do with what you're actually selling, make content that is related to Patagonia stuff so people can find you through that and then they, you know, end up hiring you or buying your product for whatever because they realize that you had a connection with something that they love. I mean, in a way, it's kind of stereotyping, but I mean, like, right, we can all kind of understand that, like, sometimes people in these certain markets drive certain cars, they dress certain ways, they wear certain clothing. So that is how you can really, like, find these uh, people that are in the market that you are trying to attract. And then my last thing for this point is to set boundaries. Um, and this is, it still kind of goes along with, like, nailing down your ideal client and your market, but setting boundaries for your time and, you know, how much you're willing to take on. Um, and I know that's kind of like a weird, that might be a stretch putting it in this category, but I do still think it's important. It's something that I wish I would have done. Um, but once I, once I did establish myself as like an expert in the Western wedding industry, you know, you're able to really set way more boundaries for yourself because at that point I'm like, okay, I know that I can provide a quality service and a quality product. So, but in order to do that, I can't take on 500 million things at once. I have to take on less. So that means I have to charge more and I have to say no to things. I might have to say no to family shoots so that I can provide the my dream clients with a better experience. So setting boundaries is super important when it comes to this kind of thing too and just not taking on too much and not overwhelming yourself with all kinds of things happening. That's something I really wish I would have done because it probably would have saved me a lot of days of burnout. Another thing I wish I would have done when I first started in business was to invest in my business and more on education. So I wish I would have taken more time and money to put into things like online courses, one-on-one -on -one mentoring, um, workshops, all that kind of stuff. Um, 
In my defense, though, there wasn't a lot available in the same way that they are now. Um, I mean, now it seems like everyone has an online course. Everyone's offering mentor sessions and coaching and all kinds of things. And that's so amazing. And I love that these resources are available. Um, but that just it wasn't like that when I first started. So I kind of had to do the trial and error thing. Um, so if you are just starting out and you're in this space now and you see all these like mentors and coaches and things and resources, I mean, take advantage of it because this was not around, you know, even just a few years ago. And, you know, I think the beauty of it is like when you invest in education from somebody who is literally in the exact space that you want to be in, you save yourself so much time because you are learning from their mistakes. They spent years, and I mean, I'm preaching for myself, I spent years making so many mistakes and so much trial and error has gone into becoming like what my business is now. I mean, I'm still in a lot of trial and error phases and I mean, I don't think you ever totally get out of it, but to get where I am today, day like so much had to go wrong and so many different things had to like change and move around in order to like actually start getting the wheels turning and like things start falling into place but if you're able to skip all of that pay some money to be able to skip that time and just immediately jump into like where you want to be why wouldn't you do that and I always think it's so kind of funny how people are willing to spend thousands of dollars, like literally thousands of dollars a semester to go to college, to go to a university, to take classes that have nothing to do with what they want. They just have to um, do them to get like their degree or whatever. And this is not me like bashing college or whatever, but um, you know, you're willing to spend all that money on these random classes but you're not willing to spend a few hundred dollars or, you know, a thousand dollars or whatever on coaching or a mentor from somebody who is literally doing exactly what you want to do. Um, and I took college courses when I was out of high school. I went and got my associate's degree because, again, there really wasn't any other option. Like there wasn't mentors, there wasn't coaches, there wasn't, I mean, not in the, not in the degree that it is now. Like it has changed so much in such a short amount of time. But I wish, you know, while I'm grateful for the college experience that I had and like I did learn things, I wish I could have had a one-on-one -on -one experience with somebody who was doing exactly what I wanted to be doing versus like kind of just taking bits and pieces from like certain classes and having to spend two and a half years in college to learn about it. Um, when I went to a different college for horse training, it was a little more focused because I just went for like a certification. I didn't go for like an actual degree because I didn't want to take any general ed classes, but I could go and just take the equine classes and focus on specifically the things that I wanted to learn. So that was cool. Um, but that that's definitely more what I'm saying is like trade schools. I mean, all the things that just teach you like the thing that you actually want to do. I think it's so underrated um people just think like college that's all there is college is the end all be all and it, i think at the end of the day like i'm not bashing college i don't think college is bad but i think it depends on what you want to do if you want to be a doctor like yeah you, sh you need to go to college like there's no way around that you can't become a doctor without college but if you want to be like a business owner and be in your own creative business or your own creative space I don't think college is a requirement to get there. Um, there are so many successful people that did not go to college, but you do need to invest in education. That's not to say like, you're just gonna be able to magically figure it all out. So investing is something I wish I would have done 
Um, I would much rather have invested in education versus my gear. Um, as a photographer, like, yes, gear is a game changer when you have good, nice gear. But if you go out and just spend like thousands of dollars, like there's a misconception of thinking like if I just buy all the top gear, if I buy the best of the best camera and the best of the best lenses and all these super expensive fancy things, you just automatically think you're going to like level up your game. And like, yeah, you might you might take better pictures, you know, just because the quality is going to look a little different. But at the end of the day, like if you still don't know how to use that camera in manual or you still don't know how to like do certain things, you're not going to level up your experience. Or you could take the best photos in the world but know nothing about business and know nothing about marketing. And at the end of the day, like you have to make money. You got to pay your bills. So having the technology doesn't always just immediately make you successful. So I would have rather in the beginning invested in education and then invested in my gear and my like actual materials later on but that's just me I know some people might have different opinions on that but that's that is this is my episode and me telling you the things I would do differently I definitely went in headfirst in all the gear um, but now I spend like thousands of dollars every year on education even where I'm at now I'm constantly learning new things I spend I just spent like two thousand dollars on a course not that long ago so um you know Education is everything. I do it, you do it, and you can't expect people to invest in you if you're not willing to invest in yourself. So keep that in mind, friends. The next tip would be that I wish I did not focus 100% of my attention on Instagram alone when I first got started. Um, Instagram, like we said earlier, has changed a lot over the years. Um, it is so different. And I think Instagram, I mean, Instagram is still my number one driver in my, you know, booking photo shoots and booking mentor sessions and coaching clients and all that kind of stuff. I mean, Instagram is a huge tool to me. However, I wish that in the beginning I would have spent more time getting my followers and getting my clients and people that were attracted to my brand. I wish I would have spent more time getting them solidified in other spaces as well, not just as a follower on Instagram. And here is why. So there has been a few, like multiple different occasions where I have woken up and Instagram was completely shut down. Like it was just, you couldn't open it. Or if you did open it, it was like saying error, nothing was loading, nothing was working. And this was not just like a, my Wi-Fi was down type of thing. This was like a Instagram, the app had shut down. Um, and that just was like a huge reminder to me that Instagram will not live on forever. Even though we feel like it will, like we kind of just feel like, oh, it's been around for so long. It's just going to be here forever. Truth is, it probably won't. Like maybe, but honestly, something new is going to come along that is going to become more popular. I mean, even TikTok, like once TikTok came, you know, TikTok got created years ago. And I remember seeing the ads, like there'd be little ads that would pop up on my Facebook that would be like, oh, you know, TikTok, here's what it is. And you'd see the videos and I'm just like, okay, yeah, whatever, stupid. But look at it now. Everyone has a TikTok. TikTok is huge. 
and you know it hasn't completely taken over Instagram or anything like that but um, Instagram is in competition with them Instagram is trying to keep up with all this new stuff but I can promise you things happen and even if it doesn't shut down completely and the app just doesn't like completely go away um, there are days where like it shuts down and it does not work Um, and you have to be prepared for that as a business owner And like, if you don't mind just going radio silent for the day, like that's fine. But what if it shuts down for a month? And if you're expecting all of your clients to just reach you and not have your email memorized by heart and not have your um, website memorized by heart, you're just always linking them to your, you know, bio or whatever. Like, how are you going to get people to inquire with you? How are you going to get people to see what you're doing and what you're up to? So other places um, and my number one recommendation would be an email list. Um, And I'm just going to tell you this right now. I I get it. You have probably heard me talk about this a couple times. I haven't been super adamant about it. However, email lists have been a total game changer for me. Getting people off of my Instagram following and onto an email list where I know that I can just pop into their email inbox, send them a little message, check in with them. I can, you know, direct them to different content. Anytime a new podcast episode's out, I can send them an email. I can link them to all kinds of stuff. Um, It is so important to be able to do this because I don't even know like where... I don't know. Okay. I guess I've had like the same thoughts of like, oh, email lists are so old school. But okay, how many of us use an email to talk to our clients once they're booked? How many of us use emails to sign up for, you know, discounts um, from our favorite stores and online shops and all that kind of stuff? Um, You know, emails are just, they're not dead, y'all. I know they kind of feel old fashioned, but they're really not. Email has been around and has stood the test of time and it's going to be here for a long time. It is in it for the long run. So, you know, I highly recommend if you're like, okay, maybe I'll think about, you know, starting this email list thing, but I really have no idea what the heck I'm even doing. I don't really even know what that means. 100 per hundred thousand what words am I whole I've been talking for way too long now a hundred thousand percent I recommend Flowdesk Flowdesk is the email marketing platform that I personally use and I've used a few different ones but Flowdesk is my favorite especially if you're just starting out and you don't really know what you're going to do and how it all works they make it extremely easy to understand all the different things and how to send emails and you know, how to segment your list and you can automate it and it's beautiful. And the best part is you don't have to fight the algorithm of Instagram when you have an email list. You can send the same information You can show the same type of content, but you aren't having to fight and only have 6% of your people see it. Uh, You can just drop in immediately into everyone's inbox and share what you have to share. So if you would like to do a free trial with Flowdesk and get 50% off for life, not temporary, I said for life, you can lock in Flowdesk for a mega discount. It's only $19 a month. Um, go to sarahelrod.com slash flowdesk to get the discount. That is sarahelrod.com slash flowdesk for 50% off for life. Um, another thing too is that I would also have used Pinterest a long time ago. Now, Pinterest is a huge way to drive traffic onto things like your website, blog posts, YouTube videos, Instagram, TikToks, like all the things. 
Um, Pinterest is just such a good way because it's not necessarily social media. It is a search engine and people are going on there um, to spend money, like in a sense. People people go on Pinterest for different reasons than they go on Instagram. Instagram is a social platform. Pinterest is a search engine. People go on there to like look for inspiration to buy things or, or resources and things like that. So use that. Direct all of your content onto Pinterest so that people can click on it and find your stuff in other places as well. Um, and just since we've talked about a few different platforms, I mean, there are so many out there. TikTok, Pinterest, Instagram, email lists, Facebook, Twitter. I mean, you know, the, you, starting a podcast, starting a blog, starting all these things, YouTube, all, you know, there's 5 million different things you could be on. I do not think you need to be on every single platform. Um, that would be super overwhelming. It's a lot of work. Um, I'm on quite a few of them and it is a lot of work when you're a one woman show. So don't feel like you have to just immediately go and sign up for a whole bunch of different things. However, I would say to pick a few different ones, like maybe two, to three that you focus on um and even if Instagram is like your main one I think you just need like some backup ones to support it so like let's say Instagram is your main source of content that's great but you have your email list as a backup and you have Pinterest to help drive traffic onto your email list and you have Pinterest to help drive traffic onto your Instagram so you could post a picture on Instagram take the link from that post put it in an email send it to everybody so that all your followers can see that post instead of just six percent and you can go on Pinterest and link to your Instagram post as well. So they all kind of support each other. So pick like a main content source and then just use the other platforms to support it and to drive more traffic onto that specific one. I wish these are things that I would have done. I know it probably sounds a lot more complicated than it actually is. Like I said, start simple, start with just one or two, and then you can just build from there. And the last thing that I wish I would have done when I first started my business was to build a community. So I wish I would have taken more time to build relationships with other people that were in the same industry with me or at least other like business owners in general. It's really hard when you are the only person in like your friend group that is a business owner or that is like entrepreneurial mind minded, I guess, um, I, you know, my, all my closest friends, you know, most of them are not business owners, um, especially right out of high school. They all went to college to do like different types of careers. And I was kind of the only one that was like, mm, I'm going to do my own thing. And, you know, that's just, it's kind of a lonely thing to do. It's, I think it takes, um, it's a lot of work as a lot of us already know, but it's, it's lonely when people don't understand what you're doing or like why you're not working a cert, like just a normal nine to five or why you have to work longer hours and more to like build something. It takes a lot of work that people don't always understand. So if you're able to get into a crowd of people that is in the same like trenches you and they are you know pushing forward and they get it they get how busy you are um it just it feels good to know that you're not alone in this um and I think it helps to find kind of a few different sets of friends in a sense like finding someone that is a business owner but not in the same exact industry as you like they're completely doing a different type of business I think is good because then it kind of removes like the competitive feeling of trying to get ahead of them or something like that but they still understand like the overall concept of working for yourself um and then you know I also feel like you finding people that are in the same industry as you but you could also do it with somebody that is 
on the other side of the country. I mean, thanks to platforms like Instagram, we're able to make like virtual friends. And if you could just talk to them, you know, on a weekly basis, have a little Skype date, <laughs> Skype, like that's even a thing anymore, Zoom, a Zoom date, a FaceTime call, whatever, you know, just somebody that you can kind of connect with. But again, they're not necessarily like in the same exact location as you. So you don't feel like that weird competition. But if you also like you could find somebody that is in the same exact industry the same exact place as you and as long as you guys are equally as supportive of each other then I think that's a beautiful thing if if they support you and they're always like bouncing ideas off of you and you're doing the same thing and you don't feel like you're in competition with them then that's beautiful that's awesome like keep doing that um I also think it's a good idea to try to find somebody that is in a higher place than you. So if there's somebody who's almost like out of your league in a sense, they're doing what you want to do and you kind of just aspire to look up to them, but not in a toxic way to where you're trying to copy them and you're trying to just be exactly like them, but you just, you feel very inspired by them. You're constantly looking to them to um, give you advice and things like that, whether maybe it is just like a coach and you invest in your education with them whatever that might look like but I think it's good to have somebody that's almost so far out of your league that uh you never feel weird about being below them in a sense um because you're you're gonna build yourself up you'll get there but like they're always gonna be kind of like that next step ahead if they're working hard and you're working hard you'll be able to build up and get to where they are but by the time you get there they'll probably be another few steps ahead and that's okay um and I think that's good as long as you don't let that you know that doesn't have to be a bad thing that's that's actually a good thing that you have somebody that you're constantly looking to and kind of following in their footsteps, I guess, would be a good way to put it. So um, I think that will help you if you can build these relationships with all kinds of different people. It's going to help you get over your imposter syndrome too. The more you talk about what you're doing, the more it starts to feel real and it feels like, okay, I actually belong here. Like this isn't weird for me to be here. I, I can be in this space and that's okay. Um, so I definitely, definitely, definitely would encourage you to build community um, so you don't have to feel lonely, you don't have to feel left out, and you can find people that support you where you are. All right, so that was all of my little tips and advice and things that I wish I would have done differently from the beginning. I hope you learned stuff from that. Um, I hope that was encouraging and helpful and gives you some ideas on how you can move forward today um, and change some things and adjust things in your own business, whatever that looks like. If you're looking for a place to build community like I talked about in the last uh, little point, then I would love for you to come join my private little community for this podcast is the Facebook group, the Branded Cowgirl Podcast on Facebook. Um, look it up and you can find us. I'll also link it in the show notes as well. But um, it is such a good place to, one, stay up to date on the show, but also find other creatives, um, ask questions, you know, just get connected with different people in all kinds of different industries. But especially if you're in the Western industry, then sis, I want you in this group. So um, come hang out ask your questions, show your work, talk about what you do. Um, yeah, it's a good time. So definitely do that. And also make sure you're following us on Instagram if you're not already um, at Branded Cowgirl Podcast. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please, please, please leave a review and a five-star rating. Um, I'm not just saying that because I want you to and I like to see all the pretty stars. It actually really helps to show Apple and 
podcasting world, however all of the little podcast wizards work, it shows them that you guys like this show and that you think this is a good show and then it will continue to push this out to more people. So um, it really does help and it helps me stay encouraged to keep coming on here and giving you guys all kinds of free content and good stuff each week. So yes. I feel like I've talked a lot. I uh, need a glass of water now. My throat is a little dry, so I'm just going to uh, go do that. But I hope you guys have a really great rest of your week, and I will talk to you guys next time. Bye.